Hey, happy Sunday, everyone. Let's stand to our feet and let's worship this morning. Everybody feeling good? Yeah. 
Everyone doing good? Man, I'm so thankful for his amazing grace. You know, it's, again, nothing I've earned. It's, it's just freely given to each and every single one of us. And, you know, I think sometimes if, you know, we can really start to build our identity and maybe the, the things of our past, our, our mistakes or things that people have kind of spoken over us. I know in my life that uh, I've battled with that, you know, just hearing different things from people and then kind of taking that on as my identity. But the reality is when I open his word, I see a completely different picture of maybe what society tries to, to paint, you know, you as or, you know, what your mistakes or, you know, the, the things that you're not so proud of try to paint you as when you open his word and you see life that's spoken over you, you see truth that's spoken over you because each and every single one of us were made in the image of God and he knit every single detail of who you are. And so if you want to know who you are and who you were made to be, all you have to do is go to his word. And so I just think in this song, these words, let's just begin to proclaim them over our lives. Let's just begin to to take them on as truth of who we are and what we need to believe. And let's just thank God for that. Let's just thank him that he's the one who defines each and every single one of us. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm so thankful that I am who he says I am.
beautiful hearts. And um, we thank you so much for the beauty that you bring to our lives, for the challenges that help us grow. The fact that we are a child of the most wonderful, mighty God, that we can come to you, Father, Abba, and with our requests and our, our thankfulness and joy. Um, help us all, dear Lord, to just calm our minds and free us from distractions, open our hearts so that we can hear the words and the things and help us to apply those to our lives today, Lord. We thank you for everything and your love and grace and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. things that I love is stretching people, taking them out into the air territory of being uncomfortable because that's truly where we grow. This is Cherie Racky, and she is on our leadership board. And uh, Cherie, how long have you been at Salem Fields? 22 years. 22 years. 1996. And I would say a lot of you probably have not seen her because you're adults. And she has been working faithfully with children for so many years behind the scenes. And she's now on our leadership board. And uh, she, she told me earlier, I said, What's, what stretches you? And she says, one, one thing is having your big head That is a here. huge head, right? That's it's a nice you, picture. You have to put up with that. Big there, head. <laughs> there are probably some leadership board members that are, I ain't going up there. I'm not having my big head up there. <laughs> but... Um, she said, uh, you know, really praying in front of adults is really a huge stretch. And how many people out there would do that? <laughs> Not many, see? See what she has it's stretched hard. and she has grown. And I love that because that's really where faith is, is all about. So, Cherie, tell us about your family, first I of all. have a wonderful family. Um, I have a husband, Ron. And he's pretty good looking. We've been married for 18 years. And after uh, 18 years, she says yeah. he's still good looking. He's very Isn't good that looking. sweet? Very good looking. Um, in fact, he brought me to Salem Fields. I know that story, buddy. And they invited him to lunch one day. He was a salesman selling their um, equipment. That's and right. they, hey, why don't you come have lunch? And that was it. We've been members since. So wow. it's been wonderful. I yeah. love that story. Yeah. You didn't tell it in the I others. Didn't. Yeah, what, I didn't. What was the equipment he was um, working on? A risograph. It was. A risograph. Yeah, Rizzo, you remember the, that? The back copy, in the old copying machines. Now, okay, see, we're really dating ourselves right it, now. It obviously. is, but at the same time, the timeless truth in that mm -hmm. is that no matter where you go or what you're doing, if you just give someone an invitation, do you see the difference the world has, has gotten with Cherie and mm -hmm. Ron and her family because the equipment guy came? The equipment guy came. I think we just need to stop yeah. there and clap. <laughs> That's the best evangelistic message that anyone could ever have. And here you are 22 years later, stretching, mm -hmm. being on the stage. Yeah. So what's another little thing you could tell us? About I have a son. son. We don't want to forget my son. Yes, he is wonderful. Right. He's 13. He's Carver. He's very, very good looking too. Yes, so. he is. <laughs> <laughs> and tell us about your ministry here at Salem Fields. I've been in the children's ministry since... Pretty much day one. I mean, the next year I had Christian when he was two, so we always joke about that. Christian and, Christian. and Alan and yeah, Alan's son. Um, and um, that's pretty much what I've done in every capacity from infants to. And then, oh, our children's ministry is a wonderful thing. We loop. So we follow our students through. So my crew just graduated fifth grade, and now I'm back in the babies, toddlers, and Melissa's happy. Yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, that and I probably still have a lot of stuff on my shirt from this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's been running back and forth uh, between here and, and children. Shri, thank you so much you. for your service. It, it's just beyond words. And this it's incredible. Is if you haven't been here, this place is phenomenal. One thing that I know really brought me here is the transparency with Buddy and Gay and, and their faithfulness and how when God says something, they do it. It's just amazing. Thank you for that. Well, Cherie's going to give us our announcements this morning. Take it away, Cherie. I always forgot about that part. Okay. All right. In a moment, um, we're going to be taking our tithes and offering. The bucket will be coming around. Um, if you're uh, new to our church, don't feel obligated in any way, but it is a wonderful blessing to be able to tithe to God and give back to him the little bit of what he gives us. Um, but you can also do that on a kiosk outside. Um, you can do that online, on your phone. So there's lots of ways you can do that. Um, please do check into Facebook. It's right there on your phone. Hopefully for those that have it, just hit check in. But it's a great ministry to your friends to let, you let them know where you are and how you can worship that way. Um, if you are a first-time person, we have a table out there in the lobby that, that you can go to and learn more about Salem Fields. And they give you a free gift. That's always a really good thing. You can see what it looks like there. And our Back to Basics class will be, it is, it's actually in progress right now, um, 6 o'clock on Sunday nights. There's child care provided. Um, if you haven't been coming, don't worry. It's kind of a drop-in kind of thing. And there's, um, I already said child care provided, so I think we're good there. And our um, Salem Fields Learning Center, if it is new and improved in a big, bad way, it's wonderful. Michelle's done a phenomenal job with that. There's um, a new website, so you can go on there and learn all about it, tell your friends, um, enrollment is open, and they also have a little thing where you can check out, even if you don't have your children enrolled here, um, a really good parenting tips kind of thing that they have there. So. All right, thanks, Cherie. Stay up here. I am. So I went up, uh, Buddy's message today is called Going Around in Circles. And uh, so I went up to Colin's office and I said, okay, Colin, let's brainstorm going around in circles. He said, hula hoops. And so guess what we have today? Hula handoff. All right, we're going to play hula handoff, and that means you don't actually have to do the hip action. So I need three more volunteers. Cherie has been so beautiful. Look, our only... <laughs> Or else I will have her, if you don't volunteer, I'll have her pick. Okay? Uh, Peter or Mary, which one of you would like to come up? All right, Peter. Give Peter a hand. Now we need two more people. All right? Somebody wants to do it. Right there. Yes. You come on up, and then we need another guy. So it's, what guy would do it? Joe, you've been up. Uh, wow. Jeez. <laughs> How about Richard? Richard, Richard, Richard. Uh, wow. You're a tough crowd. I thought the 11 o'clock was the most fun crowd. Who do, Joe, okay, Joe, you're a willing guy. You've been up here before. Okay, uh, come on up here, and we're gonna, you're going to get to see your instructions right up here. Watch this. Watch how to do it. Begin spinning the hula hoop on your arm. Pass the spinning hula hoop to your teammate. Have your teammate pass the spinning hula hoop back to you. The team that completes the most passes in 30 seconds wins the game. 
See, it's very simple, very simple. So let's take um, Cherie and Peter first. Why don't you come up? You'll do the demonstration. And there's Naomi giving you your hula. Come here in center, front and center. And you can come back here with me. And then we're going to give you 30 seconds on the clock. And we're going to count how many times you exchange it. Okay, here's your, here's your time. That's one. There's two. See, this is how you do it. There's three. have nine. Oh, look at this duo right here. We just got to put you out here. This is beautiful. All right, here we go. We're going to give you 30 seconds. You got to beat nine, okay? You got to pass it back and forth. Go. Oh, nice action. Whoa, three. Okay, two at the same time. Okay, we're going to give you both another chance, okay? Both of you get out there. And, yep, we're going to give you both 30 seconds. And I think you guys can beat them this time. Okay, this is the one that counts. All right, 30 seconds. Here we go. Ready? In a playoff. Okay, you guys won that time, so here we go again. So let's. It was. Oh, it was. Yeah, we tried the first time, and then they just got nasty. Oh, so we've got a winner here. Give them a hand. Give them a hand. Oh, <laughs> we missed it. See, willing, willing people. Thank you, my dear. All right, so as I said, Buddy's message today is called Going Around in Circles. And why wouldn't we do this song, okay? Oh. Oh. <laughs> I got a song, ain't got no melody. I'm gonna sing it to my friends. I got a song, ain't got no melody. I'm gonna sing it to my friends We'll go around in circles We'll fly like a bird up in the sky We'll go around in circles We'll fly like a bird up in the sky I got a 
chasing his tail. I feel like that a lot. You know, a couple things. Uh, you know, that song, y'all clapped at that song. Tell us something about you. <laughs> anyway, are y'all awake? Are y'all awake? It's the only church in Spotsylvania County that would hear that song this morning. <laughs> so, I do know that. <laughs> anyway, good morning. Okay, all right, that's a little better. This week, Gay and I, uh, we took a little trip up to Philadelphia and, uh, uh, first thing I gotta tell you is make sure you know where you're booking your Airbnb before you book it, because <laughs> it can be rough. <laughs> we took our grandson and his friend Tone on a trip. We do that every so often, pick a weird place and go to it. Not that Philadelphia's weird, but like the first trip we went on, we went to, a, there's two McDonald's in the whole U.S. that sells pizza. And so it's in the bowels of West Virginia somewhere. I don't even remember where it was at, but it was way back there. And they sold pizza. And so we went to find that place. And we kind of combined that with a mission trip as well. But uh, this time we went to Philadelphia. And we went to the uh, Mutter's uh, Medical Oddities. 
Anybody ever been there besides Karen? <laughs> it's kind of a weird place, man. They had a nine-foot colon in there. I mean, and they showed the guy. I mean, I'm thinking, how do you get a nine-foot colon? And this dude had a seven-foot stomach. Uh, it hung down, and there was all kinds of weird things there. And so um, that was a good trip. But on our trip, we also uh, went to the air, uh, the air and Space Museum, and there was nothing there. So anyway, if you ever get a chance to see that, <laughs> oh man, sometimes I don't even know what I'm doing in my life. <laughs> but I do have a little quiz for you. Peter, you are really good with hula hoops. I'd love to see this one. <laughs> yeah, but what did the farmer use to make his crops grow in circles? A protractor. That's what I thought. <laughs> How many sides does a circle have? You heard it before. <laughs> Good job, Tammy. You're, now you're in church. <laughs> anyway, I have to look where, everywhere. I haven't thought nobody got that. But anyway, nobody has except Tammy, but that stands the reason. Why do flies, why do flies fly in circles? Because it's harder to fly in squares. <laughs> why are circles so smart? Because they have 360 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> what are y'all moaning about? Y'all don't have to try to find these things. What does the pencil sharpener say to the pencil? Stop going in circles and get to the point. And <laughs> that's exactly what you're saying. Get to the point here, buddy. Uh, the point of the message today is that many of us live our lives going in circles. Going in circles is a term that denotes uh, making considerable effort without adequate progr uh, progress. In other words, it's just kind of a waste of time and, uh, because we make no progress going in circles. The Bible gives us many examples of people going in circles. But today I, I want to focus uh, just on two uh, Old Testament stories. Both stories uh, center around the Israelites and their search, their journey uh, to the promised land. Now, the first story is the Israelites, uh, after they crossed the, the uh, Red Sea, they were wandering around in circles in the wilderness. And they had no direction, they had no faith. And God had a blunt message for them, and you can read that in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Now, the Israelites, the Bible starts in uh, verse 1, tells us the Israelites were still wandering in the wilderness. Now, the original bunch... Uh, delivered from Egypt, had all died in the wilderness. And uh, scholars tell us it was an 11-day journey from Mount Horeb to the Promised Land. 11-day journey. But because of their disobedience, they had been walking in circles in the wilderness for 40 years. Think about that. They could have been there in 11 days, but because of their disobedience and lack of faith, it took them 40 years. So God is now talking to the second generation, and the second generation wasn't much better than the first generation. They had been circling around the same mountain for many days, and they had no direction, they had no vision, they had no hope, just wasting the days of their lives. Now, that's when the soap opera began, the days of their lives. It's been on there that long, right? I used to watch that when I was a child. <laughs> 
but they were walking in circles. Now the Lord finally had enough of their wondering, and he says in verse 3 to them, the Bible says, then we turned around and went back into the wilderness, following the route to the Red Sea, as God had instructed. We worked our way in and around the hills of Sarah for a long, long time. Then God said, you have been going around in circles in these hills long enough. Go north. Now, the Lord is telling them, you've been going in these circles long enough. It's time that you change directions. You've spent your whole life going in circles. Now, he's saying to them, it's time for you to take some initiative. It's time to go in a different direction, so go north. It's time, it's time that you quit wasting your lives, which brings me to another point. I believe that today there are some of you uh, that are in the wilderness going around in circles looking for your promised land, it, which leads me to the story that inspired this message. Now, this message was actually inspired when I was listening to Joel. Now, I know some of you are going <laughs> about Joel, but when I need a little encouragement, I always go to my radio station and I listen to a message from Joel because he always encourages me, whether I agree with everything he says or not. I mean, I don't even agree with everything I say. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, whether you agree with him or not, you can leave listening to his message feeling encouraged. And that day, he talked about uh, being on the potter's wheel and going in circles, going in circles, until finally God makes something beautiful out of our lives. And it took my mind immediately to the story of, of uh the walls of Jericho and the, and the uh, Israelites walking in the wilderness for 40 years and, and going in circles around um, Jericho. And so uh, it's a story about Israel, the Israelites going in circles so they can finally stop going in circles. It's a story about the Israelites going in circles so they can finally stop going in circles. I find it just like God to tell them to stop going in circles in Deuteronomy, and then he tells Joshua to go in circles. Uh, so Moses, who had led the people out of Egypt, has died, and God has raised up Joshua uh, to lead the Israelites into the promised land. Only one thing stood in their way of the promised land, and that was the city of Jericho, and that was the home of the Canaanites. Now Jericho had to be destroyed because the Canaanites had to be evicted if Israel is to occupy the land that God had promised to the Israelites. Now, there are some Jerichos in our lives that are going to have to be evicted if we're going to occupy what God has promised us. You're Jericho. I don't know. I mean, I love to take a mic around and, and talk to you about some of the things that keep you going in circles. You know, you just, you're going in circles, going in circles. And, uh, and, you know, uh, some of those things may be your bills or your credit card debt. And, man, you just, you don't know what to do about it. You're so over your head, and you just go in circles and in circles doing the same things over and over again, and it becomes uh, your Jericho. It might be your family. You know, it's your family's in, in disarray, and, you know, it just keeps you up at night, and you're going in circles. Or, or it might be a decision that you have to make, and, and instead of making a decision, you just go in circles. Around and around and around. It, 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 it may be your future. I mean, you're just so uncertain of your future. You, you have all these opportunities or, and you just, uh, or you don't know what you're going to do in your future. And you just keep going around in circles. It may be your past. 
I mean, maybe you've messed up somewhere in your past and, and that thing keep, just keeps haunting you and it keeps you going around in circles. It, you know, it may, be, it may be your job. I mean, you know, you just hate your job so much, and, but your job, you get paid, and you, you know, it makes a living, but it just keeps you going around in circles, around in circles. Or it could be school. It could be a hurt. I mean, somebody's hurt you so bad and it's just walled you off and it's kept you going in circles. Or it could be unresolved issues in your life. I mean, things that, you know, you just have not resolved and, and you go in circles. Or it could be an addiction. And that addiction just, you know, keeps you going in circles. Or it could be sin. You know, it, it could be a strained relationship. You know, that's just a relationship that's gone bad and you just keep focusing on, focusing on, focusing on, wish this, wish that, and, and it just keeps you going in circles. Or it could be a childhood wound. I mean, you grew up in a home or... Or you grew up and, and just these bad things happen to you and this, you've been wounded and you just keep going in circles and circles. Or it could be God's will. I mean, maybe God has spoken to you about something in your life and uh, his will for your life and you just keep going in circles. You keep going in circles. It might be your call to ministry. It might be what God wants you to do for your career. It might be whatever. But, you know, you just, you just keep going around in circles over God's will. Now, these and other things have become your Jericho, and they will keep you going in, in circles for, for far too long. They've kept you going in circles, and you have to deal with them, or you may never find your promised land. You see, they've walled you off from the promised land that God has for you and, and your family, and, and, they've, and, and they have flattened you, or they're going to flatten you if, we don't, if you don't deal with them. And God is saying to you today, you've been going in circles far too long. Make a decision now. I'm going to tell you, go north. Change directions. Deal with the walls that have kept you going in circles. Therefore, I want to take some time to read a portion of this story to you because I really like this story and I really got some brand new insights out of that. And it's uh, Joshua 5, 13 uh, through 15 and uh, Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 6 and verses 20 and 21. I'm going to read it. I got my Bible, but it's much easier for me to read it from the screen. Now Joshua was near Jericho, and he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence, and ask him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred, chapter 6, because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Now, uh, have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them, sound a long blast on the trumpets and have the whole army give a shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse. This is verse 20, 21. And the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horn, 
They shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, the walls, suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed, and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. Father, help us today to hear and accept uh, the truth of this passage of Scripture for this day and for this time and for each of us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your uh, presence here, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I read the story, I discovered several truths that I believe if we would apply to our lives, they would help us to stop going in circles with our lives. So if your life is going in circles, I would say the first thing I got from this story is that we need to look up. We need to look up. Now you see when, in verse 13, it says, when Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up. You know, and you think, big deal, he looked up. You know, I look up every day. The first thing Joshua did was look up. Now, but I, I want you to notice something in this scripture when he looked up. He was near Jericho. Now, the NLT, the New Living Translation, says he was beside Jericho. I mean, it was right there beside of him. And he looked up. I mean, it's not off in the distance somewhere, but it's right there in the front of him. Jericho was staring him in the face. And yet the Bible says, instead of staring at Jericho and its intimidating walls and the intimidating Canaanites, the Bible said, instead of doing that, he looked up. He looked up. Don't miss that. Because if you're going in circles today for something, some reason in your life, uh, your Jericho is staring you in the face as well. I mean, it's setting right there beside of you. You keep circling it. You can't get away from it. You think about it every day. When you go to bed at night, it's the last thing you think about. Sometimes it wakes you up at night and keeps you awake at night, and it's the first thing that you think about in the morning, and you're reminded throughout the day because your Jericho, whatever it is, is right there beside of you. It's near you. It's staring at you in the face. That means... Joshua turned his eyes and his attention from Jericho. You see, whatever gets your attention gets you. Whatever you focus on gets you. But the Bible says Joshua looked up. And if he hadn't done that, Jericho wouldn't have fallen. And so the question is, is your attention so fixed on your Jericho that you're not looking at anything else? All you can see, all you can think about is this wall, this Jericho, and you keep going around in circles, around in circles, thinking, what can I do? How can I get past this? And it just stares at you. It scares you to death. But you won't move forward. And the Bible says, and you're in that situation, look up. Well, how do I look up? Well, maybe instead of looking at and staring at your Jericho, maybe you should, during those times, read, read some scripture. Open your Bible. Find some promises. You know, pray. Instead of, instead of staring at and instead of allowing that Jericho to control your life, pray. One of the best ways to get the focus off yourself is to serve others. Find a place to serve. Or be a part of a small group of other believers where you can find encouragement and, and you can share your hurts and people will pray for you and, 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 and help you in this journey to the promised land. These things will help you look up. Next, when facing Jericho, we need to boldly face our fears. Verse 13 says, He saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. 
Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? Now, who was this man? Well, we're certainly not told his name. But he was armed and dangerous. You know, you've, you've heard that, that, that this guy has done all this stuff or this person has done all this crime and, and be careful, don't get around them because they're armed and dangerous. And the Bible says this man was armed. And I assume he was dangerous because he had a sword in his hand. You notice Joshua didn't turn his back. Joshua didn't start walking in circles. Joshua didn't focus on him and look at him and go, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? This dude has a sword. He's standing in my way. No, he walked right up to him, and he faced his fears head on. The Bible says Joshua went up to him, and not only did he go up to him, but the Bible says he demanded, hey, dude, are you on our team or not? Are you friend or foe? He faced his fears, boldly faced his fears head on. And, and, and I began to ask myself, well, how can he do that? Because sometimes I'll allow my fears to paralyze me. And my fears from keeping me doing what I believe I need to do with my life or what God has called me to do and, or in my relationships or whatever. And I, and I believe he remembered the promises of God, you see, when, that God gave him when God appointed him the new leader of the Israelites. Look at the promises that God gave Joshua. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. No one. And Joshua must thought, hey, dude, God's already promised me. He's already promised me that no one will be able to stand against me as long as I live. And, I, and he goes on to say, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. God's saying, look, not only will I be with you all the days of your life, but I, I, I will be with you just like I was Moses. Now look, at he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So be strong and courageous because you will lead these people <laughs> to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. He believed God. He took God's word. He took his promises and he believed them. He said, be strong and very courageous. And he, he was very strong and he was very courageous when facing the man with the sword. He said, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. And folks, I'm here to tell you those promises are for you and I. Those promises are for you and I. When you're facing, and we're facing our Jericho, you need to remember that you will be able to, that, that you will be able to stand, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life, that God promises us that he will never leave us or forsake us. And so God says, be strong and, and be courageous because you will, lay, you will lead these people to inherit the land that swore to, ancestor, to the ancestors. So you may be successful wherever you go. That's your promise. That's my promise. That's a promise from God that we can count on. These promises are for all of us, so boldly face your fears. You know, when we're facing that Jericho in our life, there's a lot of fear that creeps in, and that's why we think about it a lot. And so if you want to, uh, if you want to uh, knock down the walls of your Jericho, you gotta learn to, we got to learn to look up. And face our fears boldly. And then we need to worship. We need to worship. Stop going in circles and worship. Verse 14 says, And Joshua fell on, the, on his face to the earth and worshiped. Now that's from the New Living Translation. The NIV says he fell on his face in reverence. What reverence is giving worth to God. And so he fell on his face and he was worshiping God. Why would Joshua... 
Why would Joshua fall on his face and worship a commander of an army? Well, Christian scholars have suggested that Joshua may have had a peek of Jesus, peek at Jesus. You see, as the son, the second person of the Trinity, he existed for all eternity. When God created the universe, you know who was there? Jesus. He's been there with him all of eternity, so he could appear like this to someone. Therefore, it, in my mind, it stands to reason, in my mind, that if Joshua was worshiping this dude, then he recognized him as the son of God. That he, he saw him as the son of God. So instead of continuing to walk in circles around your Jericho, it may be time for you and I to fall on our face and give reverence to God in our life and to worship him. You know, worship God. What we have a tendency to do when we're faced with our Jericho is instead of bowing down and worshiping God, we bow down to our Jericho. We give it more power over us than we give God power over us. And so when we're thinking about it day in and day out and we're not sure what to do and we, and we don't trust God and we don't believe that he'll be with us and he'll never leave us nor forsake us, so we bow down to MasterCard. We bow down to that abusive person in our life. We bow down to that Jericho in our life instead of bowing down and worshiping God. If your life is going in circles, surrender fully to God. Surrender to God, fully to God. The first thing I want you to notice here is after he worshiped Joshua, he addressed him as Lord. You see, he was no longer just the commander of the Lord's army. He was now Lord, he was now Lord, he was now commander of Joshua's life. He was commander of his life. You see, I believe one of the main reasons we continue to walk in circles is because we only see, man, when I say only, because that's a great deal, but we see Jesus only as Savior. I believe far too many of us as believers, all we get to this point where we feel conviction or guilt for our sin. We realize that God will forgive us of our sins. And so we'll pray this prayer, God, forgive me of my sins. I invite you into my life to be my Savior. And we say, wow, God's forgiven me. I've got my ticket punched to heaven, and I'm going to go to heaven. And that's where we stop. We think, well, that's it. Man, I'm going to heaven. And we give up. We stop right there. So we only see Jesus as Savior, but not Lord. We don't see him or invite him or surrender to him as the commander-in-chief of our lives. Joshua made the same mistake when he first approached the man. If you look in verse 13 again, it says, Joshua asked, are you for us or for our enemy? Now, in other words, I think what Joshua was saying, are you going to help us or not? Are you on our team or not? You know, and you know, we as Christians, we do that. We, we choose sides. And he's saying, you know, he's saying, so whose side are you on? In other words, are you going to help me whip these Canaanites or not? God, are you going to help me take care of my enemy? And, and, and Joshua doesn't get the answer he wanted. Look what he got. He said, neither. Neither. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. You see, Joshua was hoping that the man, the armed and dangerous man, uh, would be on his side because he was looking for help. Joshua, like Moses, was in over his head, and he wanted Jesus, he wanted the Lord to fix everything. Now, I've been around here a long time. 
and sounds like many of us, doesn't it? I mean, if we're honest, we want Jesus to fix our credit. Oh, Jesus, fix my credit. Although I've spent so much and I've spent more than I should, and, I, and Lord, I've messed up my credit. And I've, God, fix my credit. God, fix my marriage. God, take care of my spouse. I've tried to. I can't fix him. Can you fix him, God? You know, take care of my kids. God, will you fix my kids? Will you fix my boss? God, will you help me make that decision? God, will you? You know, God, when I got saved, I was hoping you'd help me. I was hoping you'd help me out. I mean, we like to tell our commander-in-chief to make it go away. We like to say to God, God, fix it so I can live happily ever after in my promised land. But folks, Jesus didn't come just to serve us. He came to take over us. He came to take over us, to consume us. It's not about whose side Jesus is on. It's about whose side we're on. Jesus didn't come to be at our disposal. He didn't come to be at our beck and call so that we, use, we could use him to accomplish our agenda, to be at his disposal. You see, folks, Jesus came so that we could accomplish his agenda, so that he could use us. You see, Joshua found out that he was not the one in charge, nor are we. If we're believers, there's a new commander-in-chief in town, and his name is King Jesus. And, and we don't like that. I mean, if we're honest, we don't like that. We don't like for Jesus to call the shots. We don't like for anybody to call the shots if we're really honest. We want to call the shots. We want to be on the throne. We want to be the king of our life. Because we want Jesus to be there for us. We want him to be there to help us with our Jericho. We like to tell Jesus what to do. You see, Jesus is here. Here's what I want you to do, Jesus, and here's how I want you to do it. God, you do it this way, God, and then I'll serve you and follow you all my life. You'll just do it my way. We do that with Jesus, don't we? Nine o'clock service, they shook their head and said yes. We do that. I do. I get in a tight spot, and I tell Jesus what to do. Do that, Jesus. And here's how I want you to do it. And I'm here to say to you and me today, that's not why Jesus came. You see, once Joshua understood that Jesus is Lord, the new commander-in-chief, the Bible says Joshua asked a whole different question. He asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? What message does, the, does my Lord have for, my, my, for his servant. In other words, what do you want me to do now, Lord? I've worshiped you. I've looked up to you. I've faced my fears. I've worshiped you. I've surrendered my life to you. Now, what do you want me to do now, Lord? Different question. The right question for you and I uh, to ask is, Lord, my finances are a mess. What do you want me to do now? What do you want me to do now? My children are a mess. Lord, I never expected this in my life. Lord, what do you want me to do now? He doesn't hold it against us what we messed up. 
He wants to help us. But on his terms, not our terms. And that's why so many people leave the faith. Because God didn't do. He didn't do what I wanted him to do. Must not be real. I'm out of here. My marriage is a mess. What do you want me to do, Lord? My spiritual life is a mess. What do you want me to do now, Lord? You know, Lord, my life is a mess. What do you want me to do now, Lord? What do you have for me now, Lord? How does Joshua respond? The Bible says Joshua fell on his face and surrendered. He said, not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. That's really what he said when he fell on his face. His question changed, for, changed from, are you here to help me, to what can I do, Lord, to help you? Do you need to stop telling God what you want and start asking God what he wants? Not, my, not your will be done, Lord, but my will be done. Or is it, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done? You see, before the walls of Jericho could fall down, Joshua had to fall down. And you might be in a position today in your life where you're facing the most difficult wall of your life and it's, that wall is keeping you from being and being and living the way that God would have you to be in the promised land that God has promised you. And it might be time that you fall down and surrender and say, God, what do you want me to do now, God? What do you want me to do in my marriage now, God? What do you want me to do, God, with my finances now? God, what do you want me to do with my life now? God, what is your will for my life? Not my will, but God, what is your will for my life? And sometimes we got to fall down and worship and surrender fully to God. Next, we need to do what God says, even if what he says doesn't make sense. Even if what he says, we don't like it. The Bible says the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place you are standing is holy. And I love what Joshua, and Joshua did so. Now, let me remind you that Joshua was a military man, right? How many of you are military men or women? Military, military people, all right. A lot of you, some of you. So, you go to your commander-in-chief, and there's a battle to be had. And you're right there near it, right beside of it. And you go to the commander-in-chief, and you say to the commander-in-chief, Commander-in-chief, what do you want me to do now? Take off your boots, soldier. Take off your boots. I'm a soldier. We're getting ready to go to war. Take off your boots? And Joshua did so. No question. He didn't say, God, have you lost your mind? You mean give 10% of my income away because I can't afford to live? Have you lost your mind? Have you lost your mind, God? Take my boots off in the middle of a war? I mean, Joshua had to be expecting a battle plan or something. He had to be, he had to be saying, okay, I want you to go left. I want you to go right. Take these men, do this, do that. Load your slingshots, whatever they use. Because <laughs> we're going to battle. No, God says, take off your sandals for the place you're standing is holy. And what does that have to do with it? To me, it's symbolic that we are now in the Lord's presence. 
We have worshiped him. We have surrendered to him. And we're now in the Lord's presence. And if the Lord tells me to take off my darn boots, I'm going to take off my darn boots. Because I'd rather be in his presence than I would rather be in the presence without God, in this battle without God. You see, it's when we surrender that we are in God's presence. And in God's presence, the Bible says in Acts, it says he told the disciples to stay there until they receive power. And they didn't go, no, God, we're not staying here. This room all cramped up. They waited. They were obedient. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon them and they received power. But we don't like to wait. And we don't always like to do what God says, do we? I don't. Nobody else wants to be honest. I'll tell you, I don't always want to. You see, Jesus was now Lord, not just the commander-in-chief of the army, but he was now Joshua's C, uh, commander-in-chief. He just said, what do, you, what do you command your servant, my Lord? In other words, I'll do whatever you ask. Just tell me, I'll do it. You're the commander-in-chief now. And we'll debate it and debate it and debate it and debate it. Well, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure about that now, God. Are you sure you got that right? Take off my sandals. Do this, Lord. I don't think you got that right. Let me pray a little more. God says the same thing. You say, oh, well, well let's see, God. I'm not sure you got that right. I think I better do what I want to do because I think I know a little better than you do if that's your solution. Instead of getting a battle plan, Joshua took off his sandals. You see, because in the presence of God is a holy place. And when faced with your Jericho, you're always, you're always in his presence and through his power that we win the battle. So what is God asking you to rid in your life? What does he want you to get rid of? I can tell you this. I know this. If there's anything unholy in your life, God wants you to get rid of that. You know, I tell young people to come to my office and ask me to do their wedding. I say to them, get rid of anything in your home that's unholy. Anything in your life that's unpleasing to God. People come to me, young people say, well, we want to honor God. And they're living together. And I'm saying, how can you want to honor God and live together? How can you honor God and you got pornography in your house? How can you be in God's presence when there's unholy things in your life? And he says, take your sandals off. Get rid of anything. Get rid of anything that will keep you. Boy, it feels good to get those shoes off. Whew. Trying to be cool and wear no socks, it's not got it. <laughs> so anyway, I'll put them back on, they might stink. <laughs> Had them for a long time. Whew. Lastly, put your faith into, in God into action. To conquer Jericho, Joshua had to, to look up, face his fears, worship God, surrender, and do what the Lord told him to do. Now look at what the Lord said to Joshua. See, I have delivered Jericho to you. See, I've delivered Jericho to you. In the face of Jericho, God calls Joshua and the people to put their faith in action. 
Now, it says in Hebrews 11, the great, I can't pass that up. See, I've delivered Jericho to you. Uh, I still see it. It's still standing there. Nothing's changed. And God says, I've delivered Jericho to you. Maybe the walls haven't collapsed, but the victory's won. Maybe the walls haven't collapsed, but I can tell you right now, Joshua, the victory has been won. Now put your faith into action. It says in Hebrews 11 that the great faith chapter of the Bible says, by faith the walls of Jericho fell after the army marched around them seven days. So God says to Joshua, I've handed it over to you. I've delivered over to you Jericho to you. It's a done deal. No, Joshua, you don't need to fight the Canaanites. No, Joshua, you don't need to fix it. No, buddy, you don't need to fix it. I got this. It's already happened. I've delivered it to you. Your victory is here. I've given you the city because you looked up, you worship, and you surrendered to me, and you've done what I've asked. So as an act of faith, march around it seven times because the city is yours. You haven't seen it happen yet, but because I said it has happened, it is, because I said so, it has happened. But keep marching. Keep marching, Joshua. Don't stop marching. People may ridicule you. People may say, you're the dumbest thing that ever put shoes on. But keep marching. According to Hebrews 11, the Bible says, faith is the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It's the evidence of things we cannot see. And I say to you and me today, keep marching until the unseen becomes seen. Keep marching, keep marching until the unseen becomes seen because it's going to happen. If God says it's going to happen, that it's happened, it's going to happen. So as an act of faith, keep marching. Keep doing what God says you do. Well, he didn't come through. Well, he didn't come through in your time, but he has delivered Jericho into your hands. I believe that most of the time. So I just tell you, keep marching until the, until the unseen becomes seen. Then God says, when you marched around the city for the seventh time on the seventh day, shout in belief of what God's going to do. I wonder what, you know, I think about that. You know, now listen, to that. It, says, it says, then God says, when you marched around the city for the seventh time on the seventh day, shout in belief of what I'm going to do. Now, you know, when we go to a ball game, when the dude scores a touchdown, we cheer. We don't cheer uh, when the quarterback drops back. We cheer when the guy crosses the goal line. We do it after the fact. And God says, hey, I want you to cheer me on before you see it happen. Before you score the touchdown, I want you to shout. I wonder what marching around your Jericho is going to mean. What is it going to look like in your life and in my life? I wonder what God's going to call us to do to put our faith into action. How long will we have to march before our walls fall? When and where is he going to tell us to shout? And I'm saying to all of us today, folks, Jesus is right here. The man with the sword in his hand that's armed and dangerous is right here today. He loves you. He loves me. We matter to him. He's crazy about us. He's not mad at us. He's deeply in love with us. And he wants you and I to live in, a, in, his, in the promised land. So he's standing right by you, right by you, right by your Jericho. So look up. Worship. Surrender to him. Do whatever he tells you to do. Rely on his presence. Receive his power. 
and put your faith into action. Today might just be the day you need to shout. You might just need to cheer God on. Today might be the day. Here's my favorite verse in the whole story. I didn't even point my finger. I don't like doing that. I don't like preachers to point their finger at me, so I'm sorry. I wasn't really pointing it at you. I was pointing it at Chris. But (laughs) the Bible says, when the people heard the shout of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Now think about that. They shouted as loud as they could. Now listen, suddenly, suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed. The New New Living Translation said they fell flat. They just fell flat. They collapsed. And the Israelites charged straight into the city and captured it. No more walking in circles for Joshua and his people. No more trying to, uh, to will it to be done by a military force. Look at that last sentence. It says, the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. No more walking in circles. Hope you get that. The Bible says they walked straight in and they conquered it. The kings and everything in it. Why? Because Joshua looked up. He took his eyes off Jericho and put his eyes on God. He worshiped God. He fell and he worshiped God. He showed him reverence and he surrendered and he did what God asked and he stepped out on faith and he marched one last time in circles seven times around Jericho and he shouted without one act of war or trying harder and the walls collapsed and the Bible says they marched straight in No more circles, no more walls. And I'm saying to you today, God has that for all of us, for all of us. Father, thank you for your presence here. Thank you, God, that you loved us so much that you you wrote these stories so that we could have something to identify with, Lord, that we could have something that would give us direction, God. And I just thank you that you used Joshua to teach me a lesson about me and my fears and all those things that hold me back. Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit right now would move in our hearts. I pray, God, there be those in our room today or online that are watching that do not have a personal relationship with you, God. They would just simply invite you in to be their Savior. Or maybe you're here today and you've never made him Lord. He's not the commander-in-chief of your life. He's Savior. But if the truth be known, you're still calling your own shots. We've never surrendered. You've never surrendered to the will of God. You want to do what you want to do, and that's usually what we do. And if you've never surrendered and allowed him to be your commander-in-chief, I want to invite you today as we worship to come up, pray, kneel at your seat, raise your hands, do something to surrender to his lordship in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, 
You did it for Joshua. Will you do it again here today in our lives? Let's stand together and worship. You know, worship is a 24-7 kind of thing, but we're in these moments. We've heard the word of God. He's spoken to our hearts. His presence is here available to us, and maybe we just need to worship in this way but to step out of our comfort zone and to allow him to do something new in us and to trust our commander in chief to take down the walls. Maybe today it's just looking up to him for you, or maybe it's worshiping, lifting your hands, singing, whatever. But this is the opportunity. There's no safer place than right here, right now to move forward in faith and not let fear keep you from what God has for you. So let's just worship together.
this morning. How many people have had a mountain moved in their life? You've seen God do this. Look around. It's possible. It happens. Sing this out with me with confidence. Jericho's and all you see is a, a man standing with a sword and I know it's really scary to come up here so instead of coming up here maybe during this part if you've got a mountain in your life and you've got a Jericho in your life and you say God I got to surrender to you I got to worship you will you just sometime during that course or whatever just raise your hand and say God I got a Jericho and I want to surrender to you I need your help God so I just thought that might be give you a way to kind of make a statement of faith to God to say, God, I believe you can move, I believe you can flatten this wall in my life because I know you guys and I know we have walls. And I know we have Jerichos. And I know you don't want to come up here to surrender that. So I just want to give you that opportunity. If you Okay.
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your presence. We thank you, God, for your promises. And I pray, Lord, that we will leave this place filled up with your spirit, with your power to be able to face a culture that just goes so in the opposite direction of who you are, Lord. I pray, Father, that we will be the believers that show the world what it means to live a, a victorious life. And so, Lord, thank you so much for this, this time together. Thank you for your word. God, we can't stand in something like this and not be changed one way or another. And so I pray, Father, that we will experience the victory today. We love you. Thank you for every person here, for those online. Thank you for the people around this building, for all of the community that's lifting up the name of Jesus. We give you all the glory and all the praise, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My prayer for you today is that you will experience that victory of collapsed walls. We love you guys. We'll see you next time.